0: hello hello everybody welcome to the tf1 podcast i am your host trey we are doing the azerbaijan grand prix review so let's get right into it i want to welcome you all let's go all right everybody so as usual uh this is the weekend where we just concluded the Azerbaijan, uh, or as I'd like to call it for short, the Baku Grand Prix Review. Um, it was, you know, as always, starting from qualifying and building up, we have a race where there's typically, you know, a lot of carnage. You know, this is one of those tracks that it has probably one of the tightest, you know, sequence of corners that we've ever seen. I don't even know how these Formula One cars actually get through to that. So as is the case every year, there's always red flags. There's always drivers, you know, going off to the side where the runoff area is. So let's get right into it. So as I always do qualifying, you had a kind of a tantalizing race between the Red Bulls and the Ferraris, especially in the hands of Leclerc. Leclerc finally um, in the Q3 portion at the end, he has, you know, Leclerc has been sensational in qualifying and you can see the pace of that Ferrari, especially over um, one lap and Perez and uh Verstappen definitely gave him a run for his money but at the end just like he's done so many times this season he pulled out he meaning Leclerc pulled out just and a a centralizing lap so they qualified with Leclerc taking pole again you have Perez close second and then Verstappen following third so you have that set up for the race um, today. And uh, so at the start, you you had Perez, which had, you know, he just had a jump um, basically on Leclerc and he, he dived in and took the lead. And you saw the race progressing and as you're going down the field, you see Mercedes is you know qualifying as has been the trend, the you know, pretty much all season. Um, Russell has managed to outqualify Hamilton yet again, and um, you know it seems like when we saw practice for FP1, FP2, and FP3, um, you you we keep on waiting for Mercedes to kind of do the turnaround, but you can see they experienced quite a bit of porpoising again, you know, with the bouncing, they're not the only team. There's a lot, a lot of teams that experienced that in Baku because it's very bumpy and you had the straightaway. So that's an important topic that I'll circle back to a little bit later on. But, uh, you had the table set up where Russell outqualified his teammate again. So you saw kind of the Mercedes boys with Russell holding station and you see kind of the race unfolding. Now, you have a retirement from uh, Haas, one of the Haas vehicles uh, who had an engine fire, uh, that was Magnussen, who did that. And when that happened, unlike the last race, you see that Ferrari are you know reacting to strategy and they are kind of on the ball. So what they decide to do is, they go ahead and use that opportunity to go ahead and do a pit stop to change tires and Mercedes falls right behind them. So the Red Bull cars hold station. They actually choose to stay out instead of going in. So that was, you know, quick thinking on Ferrari's part regarding strategy. They took advantage. So did Mercedes. Now, the Haas retirement of the Ferrari engine, it was on fire. This factor as we're going to see as the race unfolds is actually going to lead to even a bigger catastrophe for Ferrari. Correct? So we we have the race proceeding and now, you know, you can kind of see it's going to be a, a case of what strategy is going to play out because they are they meaning the Red Bulls have decided hey you know we don't know if there's going to be another safety car or not we're not going to go ahead and lose position we're going to go ahead and stay out as the Ferraris are you know deciding hey we're gonna we're gonna bet on changing the tire and seeing how that plays out so as the race is going on you then see on, on the TV cameras, you see the Ferrari of signs go off his cars on a runoff. And my, my first, you know, inclination and thought because you didn't hear any radio transmission is oh no, you know, science has had just such a horrible season. Did he make a mistake again and just over, you know, push the car? Here we go again. I mean, he's had so many bad races. It, is this what happened? And then as the as the radio feed came in, you can kind of hear signs say he's, you know, it, it, it was kind of muffled. He wasn't very clear, but he said he had a mechanical failure and you can tell his voice was low. Then when you see another camera angle, you can actually tell there was smoke coming out of his airbox. So in actuality, this wasn't an air; This was a mechanical issue. And now you're going, hold on a second. So in one race, you just had the the Ferrari engine of the Haas car be on fire. Now, from the main customer, uh, you know, from the main customer engine supplier, Ferrari themselves, you have a failure on science car. And so that brings up another round of, you know safety cars and everything so of course in the back of our minds you're thinking well now it's one you know Leclerc one Ferrari battling two Red Bulls right behind him you know how is this going to play out so you had as the race continues then you just had the heartbreak of heartbreak here we go now you see Leclerc slowing down. He's on the radio to his team and he's telling them, hey, guys, something something is off with the engine. Something is not right. I'm losing power. And he basically has to limp back to the pits and they have to retire his car. So, I I mean, just taking the gravity guys of you know, not only do you have one of your, you know, customer engines in the house go off, but then it's not just one vehicle, but two of your factory cars in Ferrari have now suffered a retirement and they're out of the race. Now, I, I, you know, and I'm going to give you guys, of course, the, the result of how the race played out and everything. But what what is unfortunate is The headlines coming out of the race is not going to be the fact that Verstappen won. You know, once the the two Ferraris retired, of course, that moved up the other cars behind them. So Russell moved up to third position. And then we'll talk about Hamilton. Hamilton really fought up uh, because he was further back and he had qualified in ninth. He really had to make passes on Esteban Ocon. He had to make passes on Gasly. Um, so, you know, Hamilton had a really brave race um, fighting up the ranks to, to finish all the way in fourth. So that was a third and fourth finish for Mercedes, which was a really, really great recovery on a day that they really don't have the best car. Uh, Perez, you know, uh, came in second. So that gives... Red Bull one and two, you know, and Verstappen, of course, was in control. He finished first and he has a really big points lead. But I'm, I'm going to circle back to, like I said, the headline coming out of the race is not necessarily going to be the Red Bull win. That that's that's a big win for them. And I'm going to tell you guys it, in the scheme of points what this win actually means in in terms of the driver standings, in terms of the constructors, what kind of advantage this gives Red Bull because it was an absolutely catastrophic day for Ferrari. So let's put some numbers and some facts in to give you guys just like I said, a snapshot of what type of damage the DNF today did. So Leclerc. Has had six pole positions in eight races. Let that sink in, guys. Leclerc has been sensational over one lap. He has had six pole positions out of eight. That that's that's an incredible number, and not even the Red Bulls have had the pace over one lap uh, in order to, you know, uh, to affect Leclerc's numbers. But in these races that we've had in the last three races, this is not the first. this is the second retirement that Leclerc has. So again, I wanted to give you guys some hard numbers to give you a snapshot. you know it, it's not whether you're again a Ferrari fan, whatever your team is, just as a fan of F1 to sit down and hear these numbers, it's actually staggering. To have two DNFs in a modern day age uh, F1 race, the amount of points that takes away from your team, the amount of points that it takes away from the driver's championship, that's a pretty big hit. So because of the retirement today that Leclerc has, like I told you guys, now and Verstappen, of course, finished the race first. It wasn't like, you know, Verstappen had a third, fin- you know, he was third or fourth. He came in in the number one position, which gives him maximum points. So Verstappen now, after this race, the Azerbaijan-Baku race is now 34 points ahead of Leclerc. So compare, you know, the numbers, how many polls that Leclerc has, and when you see now Let's, let's not forget Ferrari is not the only team that has had a DNF you know Red Bull has had their issues you know uh, Max has had a DNF uh, we're not forgetting that just because Ferrari had you know they're both their customer cars uh, I mean both their factory cars excuse me and their customer car that's three retirements of a Ferrari engine today we're not forgetting that Red Bull has also had reliability issues but the point is from max being behind in the early part of the season because of the dnf to the point now where he has built up a 34 point lead that's over that that lead also cushions him even if he has another dnf and i'm talking about max that's still a, a, a cushion of more than one race win that now verstappen has built up so It truly um, is going to be a painful day for Ferrari. Obviously, like I said, the fact that it's not just their cars, but like I said, a customer car with Magnuson's car being on fire, there is definitely a widespread design issue there. And they're going to, they, unfortunately, they don't have a lot of time to look into it because the next race is within one week. Uh, they, they, they don't even have, you know, sometimes a two week um, cushion that you have where you can analyze things in the factory. In fact, many people may have not picked up on this, but um, I definitely did. If you actually looked at the cameras, the Ferrari team literally, I mean, I'm talking about before the race even ended, were starting to clear up their garages, um, even their main, uh, you know, uh, the pit area, excuse me, not the pit area, but uh, as far as the description, you know, where the team principal and the engineers um, actually sit by the track side. That's the track side seat. That's what I was referring to. (laughs) I was just searching for the right words. They were starting to clear that up, before the race even ended and again a lot of people are not going to pay attention to that but that just lets you know the the gravity of the situation they need to get back to the factory analyze the situation and like I said there's unfortunately not a lot of days to go ahead and put a fix on on these issues in the engine but all they can do is you know try to get a handle on it but this is not going to be easy because you know this is a failure that has happened more than once like I said twice in three races that's affecting your other engines too so yeah this is uh, this is a painful day guys uh, it's a painful day and again uh, just not speaking as as a fan of Ferrari but just as an f1 fan this has now given a big advantage to Red Bull in their constructors uh, point hole it's also as I highlighted to you guys with the driver's lead this has given Verstappen a huge lead so we understand that now one of the things I've learned after the race is they are saying and again nothing is for sure because obviously the race just ended today so we we're not going to know any details until they analyze the engines in Maranello and they get some answers but what they're saying is signs issue may have been had hydraulic related is what the early word is again we'll get confirmation um you know in the next up, upcoming races so let's talk about you know some of the the midfield gasly had a good race now there's something interesting uh down in the order when it comes to the mclaren's that was going on ricardo by you know by standards of the the Performance issues that he's had—he's really, really underperformed uh, compared to Norris. I have tackled this uh, topic in the, you know, previous couple of podcasts. There's a very loud um, out. How shall I say? There's a very large contingent of the press and other people that have now been speculating on Ricardo's future. So we've talked about this. So. The pressure is really mounting. Today he had a decent race where for a change he was actually ahead of Norris. So there was a lot of radio chatter between uh Lando Norris and his engineer. Uh there was a point where, you know, after the midway of the, uh, of the race Lando was behind uh Ricardo and You know, again, you can tell Lando Norris in his communication, but because he was told towards the end of the race not to overtake and Lando Norris uh, responded back to his engineer and he didn't do it in a rude way, but he asked why he was being told to hold station. And if you, interestingly, if you looked at the cars, he definitely obeyed, but he got real, real close towards before the flag, uh, was, was shown to end the race. He got super close to his teammate. So I did briefly see where he was asked about it after the race. Um, and, and the way he described it, and I've never known Lando Norris to give anything, but you know, honest, uh, explanations, whether the situation is difficult or not. I've always known him to be a really, um, honest intelligent driver and he answered well listen I mean to put it to you in a short way there's no racing driver that likes to be told um that he can't not that he can't race but to hold station you know he answered it in in sort of that fashion and I I completely understand that but Ricardo uh, again has not been able to outperform Lando Norris in very many races and uh so We'll see how this continues, but that was maybe even though it's not a high finish for them right now. The, the at least the basic minimum Ricardo can do is outperform his teammate because he has been very, very uh, it's very lopsided. How many times Lando Norris has done a better job than Ricardo? So, that was something that was you know kind of bubbling over at the mid mid part of the the race. You and um, speaking of you know other parts of the race, we we have to take a moment to to recognize the Mercedes boys. You know Russell, George Russell just has been he continues his streak of consistent driving. Um, he pretty much had a drama free race. He's again, the only driver. And, you know, in this round, and we keep talking about it every single race weekend, he is the only driver to still finish in the top five. He keeps outperforming the, the car. I'm, I'm just there's not a whole lot you can say other than he, he has been just really fantastic and what I really look forward to is the day that and we don't I mean I don't know what race we can this is going to happen none of us do but I, I really look forward to the weekend that Mercedes actually give him a car that he can compete with the Red Bulls and Fries because he has just done an outstanding job and not only that And I'm going to get to Hamilton in a second. You really, in a difficult weekend where there was tremendous bouncing all over the field, uh, the the Ferrari drivers and and specifically Hamilton, another driver that was really feeling it. And he talked about it after the race was Gasly. Um, This is an issue that's affecting almost every team. I mean, some, you know, more severely than others, but this is affecting a large amount of the teams in the paddock. And yet we have no solution. We have no workaround coming from the FIA. I, 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 you know, it's beyond me. And before I go down this line of the FIA again, I, I just want to finish my thought with the Mercedes boys. So Russell has been just outstanding and fantastic. And let's talk about Hamilton. Hamilton has been very... um Impacted by the bouncing this weekend. Um, he did not have a good qualifying and unfortunately that has been the theme this season. He has been, you know, we're talking about the best F1 qualifier by, by statistics and numbers. It's not even close. Hamilton is the best qualifier in F1 history and he has been so far in the season, again, key word, so far, he has been absolutely thumped by George Russell. And so he had another one of those qualifying sessions, qualifying ninth, but you have to give him a lot of kudos. Uh, even though he was in pain coming in um, this race, he really, as I said at the top of the show, he really worked his way up. He had passes. He was very measured. And, you know, for Mercedes to bring in a third and fourth, and of course, you know, let's not forget and let's not, uh, let's not for a second think. Obviously, the Ferrari retirements of two cars helped that result. You know, let's not get it twisted. If Leclerc was in the race and signs didn't have the hydraulic issue, yes, the Mercedes boys would probably, would probably um, and again, we don't know what kind of passes that could have happened, but they probably would have not been in the third, fourth position. That That's a safe assumption to make. But regardless of that, you know, in, in life, in F1, you can only deal with the circumstances you're given in. So because of those retirements, um, everybody moved up behind the Ferrari cars. So the Mercedes Boys had a really really strong race the team executed strategy very well getting both drivers in you know to go ahead and take advantage of when there's the safety car out um, they were very quick meaning Mercedes just like Ferrari did to go ahead and change the tires on the car so you have to give them a lot of credit because their car is not where it needs to be um, let's zero in before I get to the FIA let's zero in on so there was a lot of comments, um, when, uh, Hamilton, you know, attempted to get out of the car. He was, his body was definitely battered. Um, comments after the race were, you know, guys, this, this bouncing issue that these drivers are experiencing, it's a pretty serious issue. Um, it is not only just causing back problems from what I understand now, after the race, uh, Hamilton was actually racing in some pain. Um, he wasn't pain free. And the, the comment that is, you know, going to be very worrying for Mercedes is, uh, uh, and this is something I found out after the race, Hamilton basically said he has, and again, I'm quoting here, um, he has never been in that type of pain in a car. Now, that's, that's a big statement. Hamilton has been racing for a very long time. So um, for your star driver or for your driver and a team to say a comment like that, and he didn't stop there. He, he said not only was it one of the most severe experiences he's had, he said he actually has real fears that it may even affect him driving in in the next round, which is Canada, less than a week away. Now, that is a pretty scary thought. So, I mean, think about the implications of one of the main drivers in one of the main teams has experienced such discomfort from the bouncing. It's affecting your back. I mean, it's affecting your spine. I mentioned to you guys at the top of the show uh, with comments that Gasly made. Gasly also said, uh, you know, I'm the, and he said this several times during the interview. Oh, I'm I'm really gonna need several days of, you know, massages and treatment because he said my back is, you know, really not in good shape. So you know, pulling it back to Hamilton, that's a very serious statement. I believe Total Wolf made some comments to him on the radio and apologized yet again about the car to him. And George Russell in an intellectual way that he always does made a comment. And this was, I believe on Saturday, it was either on Friday or Saturday. And what George Russell said was, uh, uh, you know, basically that listen, there's a lot of us drivers that are affected by this. The FIA has to do something. And so my question, and I posed it to you guys in the middle of the podcast, my my question is, we have seen the FIA get involved in very unnecessary, trivial items as far as uh, what the drivers say, jewelry and other stuff. But here's a widespread issue that is affecting your drivers. What is the FIA doing? Like, why are they in place if they're not getting together to find a solution with the teams? Uh, there could, one of the solutions, which could be made, um, uh, which could be entertained and actually needs to be looked at is the fact that the FIA banned the suspension uh, that can be modulated by the car. Had had you had this element on the cars, you actually wouldn't have this bouncing issue. And the reason why you wouldn't have it is because the car would regulate and so with that in mind, when you just compare the, the you know, like I said, the pace that they had, and now, you you know, as Hamilton, he's experiencing this pain, and you are at a risk of not attending the next race, again, as the FIA, it's just, I, I don't understand why is it that they are not doing what a sanctioning governing body should be doing, and yet They're mired in other very trivial, non-important issues, but yet the big issues that are surrounding F1, they're nowhere to be found. They're nowhere to be seen. So it's just a mystery, and I think it's frustrating for us F1 uh, race fans just to see this inaction, ineptitude that um, is being displayed this year. Um, I think that comes, unfortunately, directly from the leader and the leadership of the fia and i'm not gonna go down that road today but it's just a shame so yes um so you know that caps the azerbaijan grand prix review like i said even though it's a huge red bull win and of course i'm sure those guys are happy unfortunately the headline coming out of this race is just um, for lack of a better word, it seems like Ferrari's season is going up in flames. And again, it's early. Um, it doesn't mean they can't turn things around. They have a really, really fast car. Uh, they have fast driver and Leclerc. Obviously science has been having issues. It doesn't mean he can't turn it around. Um, but you know, for everything that you can fault, uh, you know, Mercedes for the one thing you can say is they have reliability on their side and they still have a really strong engine. So um, we'll see how everything plays out. But um, this concludes the Azerbaijan Baku Grand Prix review. As always, I want to thank each and every one of you for supporting this podcast from each part of the globe. If you would like to, there's always a Twitter page for TF1 podcast that you guys can check out. Thank you and be safe. Take care. Bye-bye.